1: The professional's choice have you guys ever thought what may happen to the power grid when electrification kicks in hard like all the electrical vehicles and the heat pumps and the government sort of programs to get rid of natural gas now this conversation here with Michael Richardson talks about some ways that the electrical grid can sustain all right now Michael's in New Zealand but he's got a lot of years of experience in the US in, in HVAC. He was um, working for Train. he's working for Honeywell, and now he's back in New Zealand working for TransPower. They are the grid there. And he explains that New Zealand on a good day is almost 100% renewable energy. We're talking about solar, wind, and water, which is sort of incredible. And he explains how other, other countries are looking at what New Zealand's doing. There's also programs he talks about where they basically can raise the temperature of an existing thermostat at the right time. There's opt-in, opt-out plans for this. And we talk about how AI can strategically do this without even anybody having an interruption in any sort of comfort or power loss when they're home working or or sitting around or having a party. Very, very interesting stuff here. And this is going to continue. And I think more of this is going to have to happen if everybody's going to move to the electrification we're talking about renewable energy and we're talking about programs that we can sort of turn off and on not turn off and on power but basically sort of wave it through residential and commercial communities in order to save power in certain places in order to conserve power and over and not to overload that grid as as michael says we we keep the lights on when the lights go dark i mean that that's a bad thing so this conversation, guys, it's interesting. So, here we go. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. This podcast is sponsored by Master. And, guys, they got a ton of training available in their training labs. They got one here in Ontario. They got one out in, in the West, I believe. If you guys go to Master, you shop there, you get your parts there, you get your equipment there, and you want some training, reach out to your local rep or your sales rep and get involved in some of the training, get the schedule. And move on from there providing your team with the right uniforms whether it be cold outside whether it be warm outside or just to look good I mean techs nowadays they want to look good when they're out there in the field they don't want to be all baggy and 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 wrinkly so my point here is Cintas is one of our sponsors at HVAC know-it-all and If you guys want to check out what they have to offer your team as far as uniforms go We got a link for that. It is Cintas forward slash HVAC know-it-all. Check it out.
0: Welcome to the HVAC know-it-all podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry, discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. This is just recorded, so for the the audience is listening now so we can delete things that we we, when we put our foot in our mouth we can delete things it's not a big deal right we do it all the time here cool. on the, the podcast <laughs> anyway <laughs> Michael, how you doing great
2: yeah doing fantastic yeah how are you doing Gary
0: I'm doing amazing I just uh, got you on here we've been playing tag for a bit on getting you onto a conversation that you wanted to have with me and let's let's just start off I mean because, Everyone's going to hear you got a bit of an accent. Just where are you, where are you, yep. where are you talking from?
2: Uh, at the moment, uh, from New Zealand. Nice. Uh, so I'm in the capital, uh, Wellington. Um, I'm originally from Australia, so there's a bit of riff raff between New Zealand and uh, Australians at times, in sport in particular. Um, but uh, I've been here with my family now for about six and a half, seven years. Before that, I was actually uh, living in the US, so I was in um mainly around California so um, San Francisco for a little bit for about five years Orange County for about another five years uh, LA for two and then Arizona for about three years so nice
0: so you, you kind of 17 years so you in. got a handle of sort of the way things are done in North America then yeah. obviously yeah yes okay cool so yeah. what the conversation you wanted to have with me what what is let, let's let's start with that
2: yeah I I guess from, from listening to some of your uh, your podcasts and, and others in particular um, uh, around electrification and the grid, yes. so I, I have two gigs, so I work for uh, the national grid here in New Zealand. Um, and I also have started a small HVAC business as well uh, with my partner and I. Nice. Um, and my background is air conditioning and refrigeration. So I did my apprenticeship in Australia, my four-year apprenticeship. Um, when I went to the US, I was working for Train. Uh, I moved from the mechanical side into the control side with Honeywell. Um, and then uh, now I've moved into the energy industry side of things. And so I, always, I, I thought, you know, you say electrification grid to air, you know air context you know, and it's like a red, red rag to a bull. And, um, and, uh, you know, I just thought it'd be good to have a conversation potentially with someone who's got a little bit of well, HVAC knowledge, controls knowledge, but also, um, you know, national grid knowledge and energy and, and the things that we're seeing from a different side of the line. So I thought that might be an interesting co- you know conversation to have.
0: Yeah. No, uh, yeah, for sure. Because this is one of the ma- major concerns from people that, are not necessarily opposing electrification but uh, being cautious of it can if we get rid of all of our gas fired appliances if we get rid of all our our gasoline engines or diesel engines and everybody's charging up an ev and everybody's running a compressor now for heat rather than uh, using natural gas for instance can can the electrical supply can the electrical grid handle this this type of thing now what are your thoughts on that
2: it's very interesting because across the world we're seeing, you know, it's, it's the same issues and challenges uh, just in different countries. So uh-huh. here in New Zealand, we've got a quite uh, a grid that is already quite renewable. So, you know, on a bad day, it's like I think it's 87% renewable here. Um, we have a lot of uh, hydro uh, systems that provide energy from the South Island that push it up to the North Island. Plus, we have a lot of wind. Um, we've just got a large solar plant. Uh, turned on recently, which is pretty cool um on, on a really really good day we can be ninety eight ninety nine percent renewable wow um so uh so a lot of countries are looking at new zealand uh in particular um and we've also have this big drive for electrification so in the last two to three years i've seen a big increase in uh, more renewables wanting to connect to the grid, um, and you know, the uptake of electric vehicles and, and transportation. On the South Island in, in New Zealand, we don't have natural gas reserves. So a lot of the um, power that's supplying you know, industries, big industries down there is, is, um, is either coal, traditional coal, um, or, or electric, making the steps to electrification. So it's, they're, they're transitioning down there and on the South Island. Um, and that's a fairly large step change um, to, to make that decision so if you think of you know New Zealand's known for uh, farming and um, you know uh, dairy uh, and so a lot of the large dairy plants down there are looking at electrifying their their milk dries to make you know baby formula um, and uh, and that's that can put a fair bit of strain on, on the local area network um, supplying power to those industries. So, you know, for, for the national grid, we need to make sure that, you know, our, our grid that we do, we, we have two roles here in New Zealand. We coordinate generation uh, and then we also um Maintain and stewards of the grid, so we make sure that it's fit for purpose, right? So we, we service uh, service the lines and the the large substation, which then distributes power out to to uh, uh, 27, 29 energy distribution businesses, mm. which is like like a local area network. The the, the, the we do things slightly different because it's a both vertically and hor- horizontally integrated market here. Um, but in, in essence, it's like, uh, if, if you if you know, Southern California Edison or Pacific Gas and Electric there in California, they have one role that, you know, they own the generation, they own the poles and wires, and then they own the, uh, um, uh, you know, all the way down to the customer side, the meter end. And so for, for us on, on the roles and responsibilities that we do, we just coordinate generation to meet demand and then maintain the actual,
0: um. Okay. Uh, so uh, gest- you, when you're talking about renewable energy sources, so you're talking mainly yeah. water wind and solar is that is that what you're talking about yeah
2: yeah we we also have a lot of geothermal uh here as well okay uh so um uh so a lot of yeah i guess we have a lot of uh seismic activity too um around that a lot of you know you probably see a lot of earthquakes going on down here we have it quite often um small stuff but um but a lot of there's still a lot of uh geothermal uh, activity you've probably heard of the ring of fire um around in the pacific uh um, so on the North Island, uh, yeah, we, we have uh, a section, the center of the island, um, around Lake Tolpo, which, uh, yeah, has a lot of that geothermal. So they take it from the ground, superheat,
0: and then they used to the spin up generation, uh, on, on that side of the fence. Interesting. So, so let's talk about the HVAC side for a minute. So yeah. in, how are you mainly heating and cooling your, your homes? Cause I'm not, I'm not very, I, I don't know. I don't know what your weather patterns are like. In New Zealand, so sure, for, forgive sure. my ignorance on that, but I just, I just don't. I've never looked at the country close enough, and the wet, the weather, the the weather patterns to see what it's like in the winter, summer. Yeah. If you even have season, like I don't know. It te- break that down for yeah. us, if you don't mind.
2: Yeah, so, um, uh, so the South Island uh, is definitely. Cold. I wouldn't say it's anywhere near as cold as what it would, what it probably gets where you are, um, but we have great skiing. Uh, so that's on the South Island. So that's that's very very seasonal. Um, cold winters, um, uh, mild summers. Um, uh, as you start to move up the up to the North Island, we have cooler winters um, uh, and mildish to warmish. Uh, summers okay. so it's it's some autumn winter spring um yeah, we have alpine so on the south island we have areas where we have alpine mountain ridges so the skiing is very very good down there and we have one big mountain in the north island mount ropeo which uh, again is another skiing area for the people on the north island but uh typically it's yeah pretty mild um i'd say uh, except if you're in the uh, the lower part of the south island
0: okay so is uh is heating and cooling a big industry in New Zealand?
2: Uh, it, yeah, so we um, so we we we've we've had mini split heat pumps for quite a number of years here. So I'd say well over twenty to twenty five years. Um, they, they've come in different versions, so you know they wouldn't potentially would not be the ones that had the embedded inverters in. You know more direct online uh, reverse cycle heat pumps. Yeah. Uh, they've been very, very popular. So um, I was looking at some statistics actually before I jumped on the call. I think we, from 2014, from statistics that show from 2014, we have like to now about 2.9 million heat pumps across New Zealand, um, uh, which is, uh, I guess, the main form of cooling and and heating. Um, On the South Island, still a lot of electric heating. So, you know, um, plug-in wall, Wall heaters and, um, you know, element heaters uh, that side um, or, or wood fire burners are uh-huh. uh, quite popular. Um, um, but, yeah, heat pumps have been in this part of the world and in Australia for quite quite a number of years. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I mean, we've had, I mean, for the last 25, 30 years, inverter driven heat pumps or inverter driven ACs have been, have been sort of making their way over the last, because I remember yeah. the first one I installed was easily... 20 years ago, but the, the technology was, was here before that. And, um, yeah. it's, it's very reliable, very, very dependable as, as, as long as it's installed correctly. Right. And you, yeah. you follow all the, the correct steps. I find it very reliable technology. Uh, the, the cost savings on something with inverter technology, as you can match the conditions with the speed yes. of the compressor is, is, um, is, is massive for cost savings because you don't need to use the full capacity of the machine to do so. If you don't have the hottest day or the coldest day of the year, you can just kind of maintain and, and float. But I mean, with you being, uh, with the power, like what is trans power? Your shirt says trans power. What, what is that exactly? Before I ask the next question?
2: Yeah. So, so trans power is, um, uh, Oh, you would know this. So we're a crown-owned entity here. Um, and so TransPower is the national grid owner operator.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, how is TransPower? I don't know if this is... Is there any changes with electrification, like with inverter systems coming more into play? as Has the power grid yeah. seen a, a drop in, in demand with inverter technology? Because I guess that so, is that's so, something we should talk about.
1: So if you're running around with your head cut off trying to find technicians to work within your company and you're busy as you know what because you don't have enough people to fulfill those roles I mean there's a website you can try out it's called wisehire.com and it's meant to find the right candidates and if you haven't tried it it's there for you to try at your leisure you can create a quick ad and they have background people that will optimize your ad to find and search out the people you're looking for. So check out wisehire.com. So I'm excited to very soon be receiving the backpack for the Ambro Controls Oxy set. Because I mean you can carry it like a backpack. It's gonna keep the it's gonna keep it protected in your truck and stuff while you drive. You can hang it up. And then when you're walking to the roof, walk into a, a job, a residential job, you can throw it on your back instead of carrying it in your hand and you can keep your precision torch tip in there. Which is an extra thing if you guys are interested in that, the precision torch tip, and you can keep a spare bottle of oxygen in the backpack too with the torch set. So look for a demo on that coming real soon, guys.
2: Yeah. So with the uptake of electrification, we're forecasting an increase in demand. Yeah. So um, so separate to, to air conditioning and and the tech that's going in there. So you know we we forecast we forecast out to about forty years um, here, and and so we're seeing quite a steep upturn uh, in the shift into electrification. So um, so we're actually seeing demand increase.
0: Demand increase. So, yeah. I mean, if you could take a snapshot. Overall. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know if you've ever taken a snapshot in, and looked at maybe um, taking a program where people are getting rid of their single-speed AC systems, mm-hmm. single-speed heat pumps, and then moving into more of a, an inverter-style heat pump have you taken any sort of snapshots or case studies to see what that may have done to the, the grid um, in certain areas?
2: Yeah. So not, I guess, given, given the roles and responsibilities that we do at Transpower, we don't get right down typically at the, at the customer base okay. level. Um, but there are studies that the local uh, energy distribution businesses have, have done that, that sort of target that. So if you're um, if it's sort of equivalent to some of the programs that, that I used to run for a um, or support with um, some of the uh, other investor-owned utilities there in California. um, Definitely there are similar programs that they're looking at into here. So that's um, going out to a site that's paid by incentives to either upgrade a a system that might be poorly performing or replacing components on a system and, and for the contractor to be reimbursed. More around energy efficiency for for equipment. There are programs like that that um, these local energy distribution businesses do to deploy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they could be a thing around pumping and irrigation. You know, irrigation systems going from a from a, a hard start to a, a or soft start to a you know VSD or variable speed drive, or you know, receiving some sort of um, uh, cost incentives or to make that jump to that technology mm-hmm. um, so there's some of those um programs that are, are being deployed down here at the moment yeah. okay
0: so i've seen i've read some case studies on buildings like large high-rise buildings like downtown buildings that are 100 stories yeah. 130 stories that utilize uh pumps and stuff like that and they go and they change all the pumps from single speed pumps to inverter driven or, or vfd yes drive uh pumps and it saved them the the amount that of the savings is is actually pretty um, astronomical when you look at it from from yep. a case study standpoint and and I think that is the benefit I mean the upfront cost you have to yes. put in a VFD and install it get it up and running to do that times I don't know how many pumps you're talking about in a high rise building but let's say it's yeah. let's say it's a hundred for instance um, the upfront cost is 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 there you need the capital funds but from the case studies yeah. that i've read the savings on the electrical side is is astounding so i mean yeah go some
2: on. of the things and the technology that we're looking at um and of course it tips on that passion of mine with is which is hvac is um utilizing those inverters in heat pumps air conditioning systems and creating a solution that can give the customer the choice to either opt in or opt out of certain, what we call flexibility events or demand response, which is a term you probably use a lot there in the US. So being able to flex their energy for a certain period of time for an incentive. Um, And and so we've been doing a lot. So heat pumps, uh, mini splits that are sold into New Zealand and into Australia have to have what we call a demand response enabled device standard and embedded into the program logic of those heat pumps. Um, And there's a third-party device which connects to the heat pump uh, and then can can communicate out to a distributed energy resource management system, which can send signals to system to system for a heat pump to slightly increase or decrease its space temperature set point, which can give, uh, I guess, a little bit of a buffer zone for 10 15 20 minutes um, without interrupting the customer's environment too much so trying to be as less disruptive as possible there's always something to give um, when you're trying to lower let's say in this case lower demand uh, we have times that we have to increase demand. We might be oversaturated with renewables and actually have to turn systems on, which is a whole other animal. So the term flexibility yeah. um, it goes both ways. So uh, so there's times where we need to decrease because we're hitting our threshold of demand, and there's times that we need to utilize energy because we're oversaturated with renewables. Interesting. So um, so, who can- so heat pumps work great. If I if I can get one kilowatt. If I can get one kilowatt of power from from a heat pump, or let's say 2.9 million heat pumps sold, that's 2.9 gigawatts of virtual power that could be used for all of New Zealand Inc. For, for, you know, so there's a huge potential, and it's an untapped resource here in New Zealand at the moment. Mm. Um, it's not utilised, uh and so we're doing a lot of exploration into that side of things at the moment. So I have a, a number of pilots and trials with, you know, friendly transpower staff uh, and, uh, um, and who have kindly lent me their, their, their systems to tinker around and play with um, as we start to get more of these lessons learned. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, that device you were speaking about that all heat yeah. pumps need to have uh, basically yes. in their programming, who's controlling that set point?
2: So um, the the it, it's so that particular standard that it's an Australian New Zealand standard AS five what is it AS forty seven triple five and it's a predefined uh, duty cycling in that particular standard, um, but for the tests that we're doing around set point changes slightly increase it's it's it, it would be um, my program that sort of sets those thresholds. But then it's also the manufacturer of the equipment that sort of oversees that too. So I, I, I will, I, let's say I have three signals that I can send: a low, medium, and high signal to a heat pump. Um, if I send a high signal, uh, the manufacturer, um, and I'm, I'll just pull names out. These by any means aren't associated with anything I'm doing. But let's say it's, um, uh, let's say it's a carrier. Let's say it's train. Right? If they, if they receive a high signal from me. Um, they will have their own uh, program logic to slightly or be as the most aggressive change to that system uh, of what's permissible so it could be it might mean a space temperature increase of two degrees let's say or it might mean that you might need to duty cycle your compressor 15 minutes off and then for the next 15 minutes revert back to normal operation so this um, is
0: coming from the power this is coming from it's group. coming from the power company. yeah this is
2: that yeah okay. the signals coming from the power company okay. and then it's utilizing a like-minded program logic that's been agreed to yeah by okay the
0: so now now i kind of understand now this there was something similar that was implemented it's not the same but it's similar that was implemented it seemed like there was government incentive programs uh, here yes. where basically they would give you a free thermostat a free smart stat here you go here's your free thermostat <laughs> yes. um, but at the same time they were they were controlling the temperature at certain peak times of of the summer where they would raise the temperature of the thermostat because it was smart and it was their thermostat they were giving it to you but they had the capability of actually increasing the the temperature um yes and you could only do that if you accepted the free one because that's that was theirs i guess they had some way to communicate with it remotely right
2: yes um and so I think some of the challenges there and the lessons learned for for us in particular is we still want it things are the momentum's changing now so the homeowner or the customer is now in the driving wheel you know where typically before it was okay, if there's a need on the grid, we press a button and something better happened downstream. However um because these distributed energy resources like heat pump air conditioning systems, the customer needs to have that choice. They, they need to have the ability to either opt into a program just like that mm-hmm. and also choose to say, you know what? I've got a party coming up here. It's not a great idea. Or it's 40 freaking degrees outside Celsius. So... <laughs> um, and I just don't want that system to change or shift, you know, and, and I want to opt out. Um, and uh, it, it, it's taking some time for uh, utilities, power utilities and network, local area networks, Companies to, to realise that hang on, we need to provide this choice. It needs to it needs to be choice a choice based program for it to be successful and for, and to see that program you know up, you know uh, completely become adopted and liked. Right, um, we're we, we're doing this on aggregation, so it's not just you know one or two or four or ten homes. This is going across thousands of places. You know, so there's always going to be. Uh, uh, Customers that will will opt out of, of, of a certain event.
0: And current uh, currently, it, this is this is an opt in opt out thing, or is it,
2: yeah. It so is? Okay. yeah, we have yeah. yeah so you have we, there's a few different things that we're we're looking into. So one is um, uh, a secure program. So a, a secure program is I have a, an agreement with you, and you say Mick, uh, I'm good for a kilowatt, and I want to be signed up to this program. Uh, and that tip, t- typically a secure program, um, there's more dollars, more incentives involved for you to be a part of. But if you do not um, give me that one kilowatt or, or two kilowatts when I ask for it, there could be um, penalties involved. Okay, so that, those programs are typically more aligned with large commercial heavy industry uh, customers. Okay. Um, the choice-based program, that we offer down here which we've worked hard in in sort of refining further is choice-based reverse auction so i send a signal to you and i give you a time that might be between 2 and 4 pm so a two hour demand response event and then you respond back to me saying yes mick i received that notification from you i'm good for two to five and the price that you've sent me i'm also happy with or you could adjust and come back with another price And then I see those response from people like you and a 1,000, you know, 10,000 others. And then I can go down the list and make the best choice. You know, typically what I would look at would be what would be Who's, who's been reliable in past demand response events and who's shown up and delivered. Uh, and maybe it's, I'm, I'm working to a, a dollar a cost. So I'm trying to refine what's best for for operations on our side of the fence and what meets the, the actual demand I'm trying to flex to. So there's a bit of a, a juggling effect that happens there. Mm-hmm. And then if everyone's happy and I, I go through the list and then I can issue out a demand response event to those targeted um, customers. Um, so this is all at the moment in New Zealand, it's all happening in a, in a pilot trial kind of uh, ring fence. Um, but I think in the energy of the future, things will just, um, this technology will just be integrated uh, and then we'll learn just through, you know, you know, deploying might be some AI in some of the tools that we have that understands uh, customer burn rates. Um, and so a lot of that would be just system to system.
0: No, I, I, I totally get yeah. why. You, I guess the yeah. goal would be to save energy so it can be used where it's needed and when it's needed. so we're not over yeah um, so we're, we're not just we're not just st- taking as much power from the grid as, as, as humanly possible and overloading it and causing brownouts and, and all this kind of stuff right? The, the goal is yeah. to make sure everybody has power um, and we don't have power losses and we're not like causing overloads and stuff like that. Is that the main goal here? you're
2: exactly right so our main we used to have a slogan that we'd say we 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 keep the lights on (laughs) that's that's you know at the heart of things we've got to keep the lights on you know when things go dark things uh, tend to go bad quickly right so we had a we had an august 9th event 2021 where we had a cold snap that came through the whole island we had generation which uh, said they potentially were, were coming online, but they had issues at, at the generator. So we had a, a gap in generation plus an increase in demand. Um, and at the end of the day, we do everything to keep the lights on, but we have to also protect our assets. So to, our assets are large substations. You know, we, we, we take this large power, we put into a substation, what we call a grid exit point, and then we distribute it out between the local area network companies. Um, but if that demand at that, that particular grid exit point is reaching that threshold because you know everyone's using energy it's cold and um, we uh, we give them information we tell them where things are at and if they can't meet or lower their threshold downstream then we protect our asset and that means quite simply open opencirking mm-hmm. uh, and lights go out which is not great mm-hmm. at now all. we try to minimize that yeah
0: <laughs> my next question is and I want to end it off with this and maybe we can have another yeah. discussion at some other point but I got to run in a few minutes yeah. but when you said AI yeah. I'm thinking, I mean, there, there's still a lot of people on the fence about AI. Some people hate it, sure, right? Some people think that, um, and who knows, it could be true one day that the computers will take yeah. over and <laughs> and kill yeah. us all. Uh, and some people yeah. like it. Some people like the technology. So it, yeah. it's still a very polarizing topic. A lot of people are on the fence about it. But when you said AI, I'm thinking, and if you incorporate some sort of machine learning AI, yes. you wouldn't even have to interrupt people's Comfort at home because you could you could That's learn correct. when they're not there and not using things and um, when they're at work. You know what I mean. You could and then and then maybe consume a little bit of energy from each home when it's the best for that individual family or person where they won't even notice yes. it. Is that maybe a goal in the future?
2: You're exactly right. And and some of the technology and the thermostats um, already are learning your behavior and they'll they'll govern temperature set points yeah. and and learn your, your habits and, and move your, your weekly schedules around your habits and they learn those kind of things. And I think that you're exactly right. We will get better and better with the information that starts to present to make, I guess, better, better decisions uh, to... Um, ah, what am I trying to say here? Making better decisions to govern the use of being able to flex energy that is less impactful to the end consumer.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, with all the electrification happening, somebody somewhere needs to think of a solution and it starts with, it starts with testing, right? And that, I, I think that's what you're yeah. doing with the pilot project. So that, that's, that's a very yeah. interesting conversation. And I'd like to hear more about this project and, and how it goes yeah. uh, later Absolutely. on for sure. But is there anything like this happening over here in North America that you're aware of that that is similar?
2: Yeah. um, So I was involved in the early days with fully automated demand response and that's uh, OpenADR 2.0, I guess, through the OpenADR Alliance. Uh, It was a technology that that came out of LBNL and works with um, some early adopters which were Southern California Edison, Pacific Gas and Electric and... um, uh, and a few others that that are more ex- have explored the ways for fully automated demand response so that's a, a certain protocol which has um, been deployed um, and so you see some of that programmable or that particular standard in some of the smart communicating thermostats now uh, how they communicate out to uh, utilities mm-hmm. in, in the states um, there are uh, because, especially in the environments where, where you live in particular, and in 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 sort of the the harsher warmer climates, um, summer peaking is a, is a big problem, um, and so there are active demand response programs uh, in those warmer warmer states for sure. Um, it's you know if I if I took a screenshot and I looked through, I think every sort of possible um, utility that has a has a has a hot summer is running uh, demand response uh, programs uh, that incentivize homeowners to um, to lower their temperatures at times of peak um, and they're all at various different stages uh, of, of program types so and when you say uh, in- when you say bought...
0: incentivize what, what is what is what, yeah. what incentive do they get for that
2: so there'll be a dollar per kilowatt dollar per megawatt incentive typically um, so at the end of a demand response event, uh, the, the, uh, the utility will look at their smart meter and compare what they were doing leading up to the event and certain historic days before to the actual event, Have uh, create a profile, an energy profile of that particular historic using a baseline algorithm, and then what they did on the actual day. And if there was a clear change of behaviour that occurred, then uh, typically, incentives are based off that delta. Um, it can get a little complicated, but there is some uh, algorithms, math that's involved, looking historically, uh, and then at the actual day of event, uh, smart meter information. So, typically, to be involved in a demand response program or a flex program type, you would need a, a smart meter on the home. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of, I think, in the US, it is. Uh, every 15 minute intervals here in New Zealand, it's 30 minute intervals, but it's giving feedback fairly regularly. Um, awesome. And yeah, you're, you're based. Your performance is based off
0: what that what that
2: difference is. Okay.
0: I want to talk to you some more about this at a later date, but I have to run, yeah. Michael. Um, okay. I'm getting a text that I gotta go. So.
2: <laughs> but <laughs> okay, I, mate, I appreciate
0: your time today, and I wish we had some more time to talk about this. But we'll we'll talk about it further.
2: Yeah, that sounds great.
0: Okay. I look forward to it, mate. Talk. All right. Have a good one. You too. Thanks, Michael. Okay. B- bye. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.